Welcome back to week nine of the Big Sky Podcast Network Power Rankings. I'm your host, Brian Marceau, running solo as usual. Look, we're deep into the Big Sky season, guys. Three weeks left in the entire Big Sky season. October is coming to a close. All the October games, of course, done now. So we're we're shifting now tonally to a different time in the football season. Yeah, I'll tell you guys where the power rankings come from in a second. But every game, guys, I've been a fan of terrible teams. And I just have to tell you, we're at the point of the season where whether your team is shitty or whether your team's very good, this is the serious part of the year. For the shitty teams, the narrative for next season is being set today and expectations for re- recruitment heading into next season, they're being set today. So if you're a team like Cal Poly, if you're a team like Northern Colorado, it's pretty bleak. And I can tell you that being behind the front lines of some god-awful seasons as a Vandal fan, these games still matter, guys. It's as far as like the tone also of fan bases. If your team sucks, it is only the dead serious and probably the family who's really paying much attention, which means it's the lifers who are always going to be at those Idaho State games or those Northern Colorado games. And if you're going to games where teams are awful, again, a lot of experience here, guys. The discussion from the fan base is, do we get rid of the coach or how the heck do we ever turn this around? Conversely, if your season's going well, we're in the home stretch where a team like Idaho is playing for, can they get a, can they make the playoffs? Then can they get a seed? A team like Montana is trying to figure out how to right the ship, but they still control their destiny. And then Montana state, I, Idaho, not Idaho state. Good God. Uh, barring from the Sacramento state announcer who screwed that up a ton last night. But if you're Montana state, you're Idaho, you're Sacramento state, you're Weber state. All those teams still have at least a chance to share of big sky championships. So, we're, we're kind of done with where football is just fun earlier in the season, especially early in conference play. And we're, we're at the point where every game matters, really matters, even if your team sucks. So that, with that being said, we're still not changing how we're covering the, the power rankings here. I'm going to be slamming through the bad teams. But if you're a listener for the first time, curious how these rankings are put together, Voters from Big Sky Podcast Network shows like Tubbs of the Club, where me, Martin, new writer Josh Grissom, and uh, Dallas Hammer, we all vote in the power rankings. Mike Nugent, Brent Wahlberg from Gris Fan Pod, they vote. Both Ryans from r Catcast, Colby Peterson, and Dustin Chapman from Weber State Weekly vote. In addition to guys like Kyle O'Neill, who's both affiliated with Big Sky Podcast Network and FCS Fans Nation. I've got Kevin Marshall of FCS Nation Radio. We've got beat reporters like... Greg Woods from covering Idaho State, Taryn Kovach covering what well, used to cover University of Idaho, uh, Jane Adams, who covers Northern Colorado. It's a large group of guys who pay, and, and a couple of gals, who pay a lot of attention to Big Sky Sports. The votes are averaged out, and that's your rankings. So if you disagree with any of the rankings, please comment in the live video if you're watching or uh, respond to social media stuff. Tell everyone what they got wrong. Tell everyone what they got right. But this week, we're going to really skim through the bottom of the barrel because we're uh, the half the conference right now. I think we just know who they are, and it's uh, not in a good sense. So we're going to start at the bottom like we always do. And uh, the first grouping, I'm calling them the unspeakables. We got number 12, Cal Poly, number 11, Northern Colorado. Uh, nice misspelling for Northern Colorado staring at us, which I will not correct. And uh, number 10, Idaho State. Only one of those three teams was in action this week. It was number 12, number 12, Cal Poly. And uh, number 12, Cal Poly traveled to UC Davis. Not a long drive or not a long flight. Don't know the California geography well enough to answer that one. And uh, you know what? Bo Baldwin's guys probably wishing they had not made the trip. Cal Poly goes down 59 to 17 in a game that was, I mean, you can call it kind of close at halftime. Cal Poly was only down by 14 at half. Uh, There was a point in the second quarter when after a uh, Jaden Olson 30, 36 yard field goal for Cal Poly Mustangs were only down by 11. So I guess they can pat themselves on the back there, but uh, Mustangs were outscored 28 and nothing in the second half. Uh, I guess the only noteworthy thing to me here is Spencer Brash was back in at starting quarterback for Cal Poly after sitting out just about all of the Eastern game. 
Brash goes 28 to 47, 357 yards, two touchdowns, three picks. And look, this is Cal Poly. They, they can pass. They turn the ball over. They cannot defend whatsoever. Bo Baldwin, if you if you watch Cal Poly, which maybe you shouldn't, but if you watch Cal Poly, you're going to see in moments that the Mustangs have made progress offensively. It never sustains through, through an entire game. But it's there's moments where you can see the Mustangs drive and think, okay, I understand what Bo Baldwin's doing. The problem is whatever strides Cal Poly's made defensive on offense, defensively, they're a long ways away from being anything close uh, to an adequate or flirting with adequate FCS level defense gave up 682 yards to, to UC Davis on Saturday on the season. Cal Poly is Cal Poly has given up 39.2 points per game. Uh, total yards Cal Poly has given up is 523.6 yards per game. And, uh, as a comparison, just total yardage. Hey, Cal Poly's given up 523.6, like I said. The best total offense on average in Big Sky Conference play is UC Davis, part, partially based off of this huge game against Cal Poly. Uh, Davis is averaging 549.4 yards per game. So an average outing for Cal Poly defensively is surrendering yardage, yardage that would be the second best offense in the Big Sky. But of course, they play a lot of teams in the big sky. So there you go. There's, there's just nothing that Cal Poly can do on the ground or through the air in any respectable way until that changes. Uh, nothing's going to change in Cal Poly. We're just going to slam through Northern Colorado, Idaho state. Neither of them played uh, no real change in prognosis. We'll hit who those teams play when we hit the top half of the conference. Uh, also, in addition to Idaho State and Northern Colorado being on by, Northern Arizona, Montana State were on by this last week. This coming week, week 10, there's not a single team on by. So a couple more games, and we still have some of those marquee match, matchups we'll hit in a second. My other grouping, that is uh, bottom half of the conferences, I'm calling them worse than we thought. Number nine, NAU, number eight, Eastern Washington, and number seven, top five, Portland State. NAU did not play this week. Not going to talk about NAU unless I hit individual stats in a second. Uh, but Eastern and Portland State did play. So a, a real head-to-head of the top of the bottom of the conference. And r- really my takeaway here, because I'm going to talk about both these teams at the same time because they're, they're so dang close, is you know, the narrative around Eastern this year, partially said on my show and partially said just around the big sky, is that Eastern's has is a solid football team that has just had a murderer's row schedule, which is look, that's true. Eastern has a, has had a freakishly rough schedule this season, but the second half of that narrative is when Eastern plays, not as good teams, they're going to pick up wins, which we did see Eastern pick up a win first week of the season against Tennessee state. We did see Eastern pick up a narrow win last week over Cal Poly and I here I think the takeaway that the casual fan I'll put myself in here had when Eastern narrowly beat Cal Poly seventeen to ten last week is that look that was just a weird game for both Eastern and Cal Poly because both of those teams are so bad defensively they were trying to change up whatever they were doing especially Cal Poly not, not even playing uh, passing quarterback Spencer Brash for more than one pass attempt. I think we're starting to see that the reason Eastern Cal Poly was close a week ago is because Eastern is just, Eastern's just not good. So against, against uh, Portland state at home, Eastern Washington loses 38, 35. Now this was a game where Eastern had to uh, mount a pretty furious comeback. Eagles were down 35 to seven at half and made it a game. I mean, Portland state did not, Portland State put the game away on a field goal with nine minutes, 51 seconds left in the fourth quarter. That made it 38 to 21. Eastern got as close as 35, uh, 38 after a couple, couple of Gunner Talkington touchdown passes. But Eastern was completely dominated in the first half of this game. And the culprit for Eastern, they're absolutely terrible. They're terrible on both, both against Pat. As a defensive team, Eastern's terrible against the pass and terrible against the run, but they're uniquely bad against the run. Well, Portland State, a, a pretty bad rushing team overall in Big Sky play and on, just on season general, cut up Eastern on the ground, 
427 rushing yards on 58 attempts for Portland State, led by first uh, Joby Mallory running back, 19 carries, 148 yards. But dual threat quarterback Dante Sashray rushes 14 times for 141 yards, gets two touchdowns. Sashray also passes 17 to 22 for 201 yards and a touchdown. Uh, on the eastern side, Gunnar Talkington goes 36 of 60 for 394 yards, three touchdowns and a pick. Uh, on the ground, Eastern, I mean, relatively effective, 170 rushing yards on 24 carries, but obviously not enough. And the big deal for Eastern was getting so damn far behind early against Portland State that even though Eastern did make a, an impressive comeback, it outscores Portland State 28-3 in the second half. It wasn't enough. And look, the, the culprit for Eastern this whole season has been defensively, in particular, on the ground. Look, Eastern now, it, this is just Big Sky games, so not counting those FBS games. Eastern's giving up 310.6 yards per game, surrendered 16 rushing touchdowns in five Big Sky games, allowing 6.1 yards per rush. This game was particularly bad for Eastern, I mean, giving up 400, but this is now who Eastern is. Eastern is a strong offensive team who cannot stop anyone, so, look, Eastern might have a win left on their schedule, but the kind of the the light Eastern had, uh, you know, dangling at the end of their season of, hey, they're going to get a couple wins against shitty teams. And then you the reading of Eastern's record was, hey, it's a rebuilding year with a rough schedule. That's it. I do think it's a rebuilding year. I don't think Eastern fans, fans should panic for next season, but I don't think Eastern is what we thought they were. So, yeah, they're, they're in the bottom half. Portland State is not a good football team. Uh, but if they're going to play Eastern and if uh, they're going to play, if they're going to have, if Portland State's going to get games where Sacheray gets to account for 342 yards and three touchdowns on his own with no turnovers, uh, Portland State's going to have a chance to win some football games. Unfortunately for the Vikings, they don't get to play Eastern every single week. Moving out of the bottom half of the conference, we're now going to get to the more interesting teams. Number six, what I call alive but barely is UC Davis. Now, UC Davis, as covered, beat the shit out of Cal Poly 59-17, almost 650 total yards on the game, which has been kind of the MO for Davis this season. Uh, Davis is a very strong offensive team. And I want to hit the comment section really quick. Uh, Max says there is not a D1 team in Colorado. Or Max parrots my misspelling. Thank you, Max. Uh, there is not a D1 team in Colorado playing at a level worthy of correct spelling. God damn right, Max. Back to UC Davis. So, but UC Davis, the MO for the Aggies is team can act. This, this team is absolutely effective moving the ball both through the air and on the ground. Total yardage, East, the UC Davis leads the big sky in conference games at just under 550 yards per game. Their number three rushing offense at 226 yards per game. 6.1 yards per rush, which at a per rush basis, UC Davis is narrowly the best, the most efficient rushing team in the league. Passing ball, UC Davis is the number one passing team, 323.2 yards per game. So Davis is effective both on the ground and through the air. That, that's been established for quite a while, minus uh, two FCS games against Weber State and South Dakota State. But the reason I call Davis alive but barely is UC Davis has not anything flirting with an impressive win on their resume. So for Davis, Davis is 100% still alive in the playoff hunt, but Davis has no margin for error whatsoever. Uh, Davis has, to close the season, Davis plays Idaho State on November 5th, so this week, Followed that up with the game at Idaho in Moscow and then close the year at Cosplay Classic at Sacramento State. So Aggies have to go three and oh to have a shot in the playoffs. And they have to, they're gonna the issue they're gonna run into is picking up wins at Idaho and at Sacramento State. If you look through the Davis schedule right now, Aggies sit at four and four on the year. <sighs> With in Big Sky play, Davis has three wins. They're all consecutive over Northern Arizona, Northern Colorado, Cal Poly. They're going to get their fourth Big Sky win over Idaho State this coming week. But the, those are the impressive wins for Davis right now. Their other win on the season is in the out of conference, beating Pioneer Conference San Diego 43 to 13. 
So none of those wins are close to impressive wins. Like if we go to Sagarin, the most impressive win right now, Davis Sports is over Northern Arizona. That's the number 178 team in the nation in the nation in Sagarin. Now that counts FBS as well, but uh, we're we're closing in on 200 as the best win for UC Davis. So uh, it's it's important for Davis to win out. They're not gonna they don't have a schedule to squeak into playoffs with their with six wins. They're going to have to pick up seven. Now, if Davis picks up wins at Idaho and at Sacramento state, look that that's easily a playoff resume, even with seven wins, because suddenly having two top 10 ish, depending on where Idaho lands uh, in the stats poll. I don't, I'm, I'm just kind of giving up faith on Idaho climbing too much in the coaches poll. And I don't think people should care about the coaches poll. However, it is used for the setting of the playoff bracket. Not going to touch that tangent, but Davis absolutely has to pick up wins. Um, but look, the thing that we're going to find out in two weeks, we're not going to find out anything about Davis against Idaho State. Idaho State's a terrible football team. We're going to find out against Idaho how much of this offensive production in Big Sky play is because Davis is simply good or and how much of it is because, well, look, if anyone got to run through a back-to-back-to-back-to-back schedule of NAU, Northern Colorado, Cal Poly, Idaho State, they're going to put up pretty impressive Big Sky numbers Uh, The two games Davis played earlier in the year against better Big Sky teams, uh, we had an opening Big Sky play week loss against Weber State in Davis, 17-12. to Uh, Weber, in my mind, kept Davis in that game with three turnovers, but still Weber held on. And then at Montana State, uh, the Bobcats beat the hell out of the Aggies, 41-24. So uh, not going to learn too much about Davis against Idaho State this week because Davis is going to kill Idaho State. Uh, but we will see see Davis put up points, and we're going to see how for real that offensive production is, both through the air and on the ground, in two weeks against Idaho. Some names for you to pay attention to for Davis as individual stat leaders. Miles Quarterback Miles Hastings has 18 touchdowns, one interception, big sky play, leads the league in passing yards per game at 332.9. Uh, the 18 touchdown to one interception ratio in particular is pretty damn good, completing 75% of his passes, Easily. And look, this is as a Vandal who's seen Giovanni McCoy look very good at quarterback for Idaho. Miles Hastings is easily the most effective quarterback in the big sky right now. But we're going to find out how much that matters in a couple of weeks on the ground. Uh, Davis has number two running back in the league. Yulonzo Gilliam senior. Uh, the conference stats I'm staring at are a little bit off because they say seven games, but in big sky play, Gilliam's averaging 122 rushing yards per game, nine touchdowns. Moving on from UC Davis, one of the more interesting teams to me. Their category is narrowly free-falling, and that's Montana at number five. And I say narrowly free-falling because Grizz have three consecutive losses. If that isn't free-falling, nothing's free-falling. But Montana, all of their losses, that includes this week at Weber State, all of those losses have been damn close. This Montana team truly is probably about four plays away from being undefeated. The downside is there's a lot of work the Grizz have to uh, put in on the offensive side of the ball if they're going to right the ship uh, relative to to what expectations have been earlier in the season for Montana and relative to what I just said. After a brutal run of hosting Idaho, after Idaho – the um, the Grizz traveled to Sacramento, lost nearly to Sacramento State in overtime in a game Montana dominated for three quarters. And then this week, burying the lead a little bit, Montana falls to Weber State in Ogden, 24 to 21. The pause you heard from me is that I'm still struggling to believe that Montana put up 21 points because like I told you the issue for the Grizz is offensively they're just lost and lost in a profound way. The Grizz put up 21 points while only amassing 114 total yards the entire game against Weber State. But still, this was a one-possession game, a game the Grizz potentially could have won. And this might shock you a little bit more. The Grizz had zero turnovers. Now, at some point, three and outs are no different than turnovers. Uh, you do get the punt, so it doesn't have the same... Uh, like field position hit or emotional hit of throwing a pick, but this Montana team, 112 total yards. And I don't need to tell you, they, uh, sorry, 114 total yards. My bad. Uh, when you're playing this poorly, you really don't want to miss out on those two yards. 
I don't need to tell you that if Montana's amassing 114 yards in a game, they're not passing effectively and they're not rushing effectively. Chris Brown, backup quarterback, had to play this game. Lucas Johnson, who has been much more effective than Chris Brown as a starter, still out after that injury at Sacramento State. Bobby Houck and co. just do not have confidence in Chris Brown. We saw some wildcat formations with Junior Bergen, wide receiver, taking direct snaps for Montana. They're doing whatever the heck they can to try to get us spark. Didn't work this game. So Chris Brown goes 10 of 17. So there, there we go. I'm not even going to go further. Montana could not run the ball whatsoever against Weber State. On the ground, rushing. Grizz rushed 38 times for 42 total yards. But still, the Grizz only let Chris Brown pass 17 times because that's how ineffective Chris Brown has been for Montana. There's just no confidence in the guy. Uh, Grizz Nation is uh, kind of panicking about getting Lucas Johnson back because this is the, probably the second consecutive week Montana is going to say, look, offense isn't looking as good as it needs to, but if Lucas Johnson has played plays the whole game for Montana the last two games, Grizz probably only have one loss, and that's a seven-point loss to, to a good Idaho team. But Montana just got to run through stats. Chris Brown, 10 to 17, 72 yards, no picks. Rushing. There was, there's a few guys Montana's going to, and no one's getting any space whatsoever. Nick Osmo, 10 carries, 23 yards. Junior Bergen, wide receiver who took some direct snaps, five carries, 21 yards. Marcus Knight, nine rushes, 18 yards. That's the end of your production, guys. The Grizz just cannot really move the ball whatsoever. The team still is strong defensively in spite of that three and out parade and giving giving Weber State the ball quite a bit. The Grizz surrendered 345 yards on the game. And just as a as contextualizing for that, because it's hard to stress how bad Montana looks offensively, but still, this is a very strong defensive team. The, the defensive numbers would look even better if they got any help from the offense, but contextualizing allowing 345 yards against Weber state. If that's your average defensive outing, that would tie for, sorry, that would be just, that'd be the fourth best defense in the big sky. It's, it's just slightly better than Montana's average outing of allowing 349 yards per game. If you look at the offensive end, the, Worst total offense in the league is Montana right now, but the, allowing 345 yards per game, if that, that was your average, that would that would be the third worst offense in the big sky. So still, Montana has, they're, very, they're just very good defensively. There's a lot of talent on that side of the ball, which is why Montana, they're just weird to talk about because there's very little faith right now the coaching staff has any answers about what to do other than hope Lucas Johnson gets gets back and the Grizz can then win some close games. But this Montana team, they're sitting at five and three on the season right now. No FBS games. That's all. That's completely FCS record. There is not a single impressive win right now on Montana's resume. So the Grizz, Grizz faithful are starting to feel like Grizz might need to go three. No, to make the playoffs going two and one Montana probably sneaks in. No, obviously no prayer of a buy, it should be on the table right now for Montana. Uh, even if the Grizz went out, maybe if the Grizz went out and the field just kind of feels weak or some, some of the better teams who aren't going to win their conference, pick up a couple losses, Montana winning three, three in a row could, they're, they're just probably not going to get a buy in the playoffs, but Montana, they get a little bit of a reprieve over the next few weeks where this week, the Grizz get to host Cal Poly Already covered Cal Poly terrible, and that might be the uh, right solution for the Grizz offensive woes, at least for a week. That's followed up by hosting Eastern Washington, another just god awful defensive team that again might help uh, give Montana some time to correct to, to correct whatever it is the Grizz think they can correct. I mean, the reason I'm I'm kind of grasping at straws is offensive line doesn't look strong enough for Montana to completely turn things around. Play calling is certainly not creative. In, in Montana either. And if Chris Brown is going to be playing, he's just not an effective big sky quarterback. So um, first the Grizz need Lucas Johnson to get back. So they're going to have any success. If they, if Lucas Johnson is not back, even if Montana makes playoffs, they're going to need a great first round matchup or they're going to get, they're going to lose probably close because defensively Montana can keep anyone 
below their season average because that's how talented this team is. But if, if Lucas Johnson's not back, I mean, the answer for the Grizz is they're probably going to lose the first round of playoffs or they need, if they make the playoffs, or they're going to need a favorable first round matchup, pick up a win. Uh, but I, the temperature, the pulse right now of Grizz Nation has, is a little bit frustrated with coaching staff, particularly Bobby Howe, who has been only successful as an FCS coach, but he's famous for being a stubborn dude. And right now, Bobby Howe being stubborn, if you talk to Grizz fans, and being unwilling to um, look at an option B offensively, let's say, or do something a little bit less conservative is hurting Montana's chances. But if, if Bobby Houck is also not adjusting play calling, because he doesn't think the team has a line to do it. Well, Houck's been back in Montana since 2018. Uh, separate question then is how has a good head coach like Bobby Houck been at university of Montana since 2018 and their quarterback depth chart is terrible, minus Lucas Johnson. There's just no one serviceable. If if Chris Brown's truly the second-best quarterback on the Grizz, there's no one on the Grizz other than Lucas Johnson, who's a big-sky quarterback whatsoever. And second, offensive line for Montana. Look, I, I just watched clips of 20, uh, 2019 Montana playing Weber State, seeing Marcus Knight, uh, have a lot more room to run against a good Weber State team 2019. And um, honestly, man, it's just flooring. It's flooring to see a, a Grizz team that looked exciting. It was just highlight clips, which obviously highlight clips are just exciting. But the type of lanes available for Montana on the ground are just not something the team has this year. So, again, again question for Bobby Houck is, you've been here since 2018. You're a good coach. How How is Montana a national power? how is their offensive line as weak as it's been that either there's an issue with how not taking his annex on the, on play calling or how doesn't have the guys to be as aggressive as his team would need to be, to be more effective on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, but in season stats, Montana, the worst total offense has covered 314 yards per game. And look, there's a, I have made fun of Max McCaffrey at Northern Colorado for being a terrible OC because I should. There is a 37-yard gap per game between what Montana is doing now and Max McCaffrey's Northern Colorado offense. That's 351 yards for Northern Colorado, 314 for Montana. So, look, there's – if that's not enough to tell you guys that Montana is just lost offensively, I don't know what else there is to go to, but now at individual leaders, I looked this up just for fun. Montana does not have anyone in the top 10, the big sky in rushing. They don't have anyone in the top 15 in the big sky in rushing. The number one rusher for Montana per at a per game basis is the number 18 rusher in the big sky. That's Nick Osmo at 41 yards per game. 3.9 yards per carry, which I'm not even going to look up where that would rank at yards per carry. Actually, you know what? I'm going to because uh, I can just click here. So at 3.9 yards per carry, uh, Mark Nick Osmo is the 35th most efficient rusher in the big sky. And that's the top rusher right now for University of Montana. Now look in the passing stats. Lucas Johnson is, is the number 10 passer in the big sky. So look, even when Lucas Johnson was playing, he certainly wasn't lighting up the scoreboard throwing for, you know, 250 yards per game, which isn't even in this era that 250 yards is not even what you'd call hyperbole. Johnson was averaging 155 yards uh, passing per game in big sky play, which is uh 10th just below Dante saturate Portland state about 20, 26 yards per game below saturate Portland state. Uh, he's 45, uh, 44 yards. 41 yards below Jake Dunaway at Sacramento State. Jake Dunaway doesn't even play more than half the game sometimes, depending on how Asher O'Hara is playing. So that's there's just there's just no way to look at it for Montana. The issue is this is a supremely talented defensive team who is looking at squandering pretty damn impressive talent because the Grizz just can do nothing offensively. And that's that when I say nothing. I mean, like worst in the big sky level production on the offensive end. That's that's what this University of Montana team has become right now. Look, Max, in the comment thread, Egris has been a fascinating read lately. Oh, yeah, Egris. Now, that's the Egris is the most active message board in the big sky in terms of volume of posters. 
uh, sometimes the term of aggression. The best place to post in the big sky is obviously the hashtag only tubs discord, patreon.com backslash tubs the club. If you're interested, uh, which I, I say as a joke, actually, the, the tubs of the club discord is I'm, I'm going to pull, pull back the curtain a little bit. I help run it shockingly fun to be part of that group. But like Max said, look, the Gri Grizz Nation is not taking this easy, even though all three games have been close losses to very good teams. Going to hit those scores real quick, then move on from Montana. But the Grizz three losses, Montana lost the three-game losing streak, ac streak active, lost at home to Idaho 30-23, to at Sacramento State 31-24, then at Weber State 24-21. So there's a reprieve as already hit with a schedule with Cal Poly and Eastern coming up. But if Montana doesn't get that offensive thing figured out in some way by November 11th at Montana state, the Grizz are going to have seven FCS wins and no impressive wins whatsoever. And it will be on the table that Montana is left out of the playoff bracket. I'd expect that if that's the case, if Montana finishes with seven wins, they're probably going to just barely make it into the playoffs, but they probably will. They're a marquee team. They're a marquee team. And most of their, their FCS wins are almost all against uh, top two conference teams in the, in the nation. I mean, six of, if that's what happens for the Grizz schedule and Grizz wins seven games, win against Cal Poly and Eastern, then lose Montana state. Six of the seven wins for Montana will be against either Missouri Valley or Big Sky Conference teams. So that will matter for something, but Grizz will still be anxious waiting for that playoff bracket to be announced. Uh, moving on from Montana, uh, we have number four. Number four and number three, I'm calling these uh, contenders in need of help. Uh, number four, Idaho. Number three, Weber State. And I say that because now we've shifted. From the Montana talk is, hey, can the Grizz make the playoffs? They're not going to win the Big Sky Conference. There's, there's no, it's just not possible for the Grizz to do that. Well, in, in theory, is possible if teams like Montana State lose out, if Idaho loses out, and if Weber State loses out. Sure, the Grizz are back in the in the picture. It's not going to happen. Idaho number four. This week, the Vandals, heartbreaker for the Vandals. They lose They lose to Sacramento State in Sacramento at Sacramento's homecoming, 31-28. Now, got to say it from the Idaho end, because we'll talk about the Sac State end for a little bit. Idaho was getting dominated for three, three quarters of this game. With seven minutes, 40 seconds left in the third quarter, Sacramento State on a uh, eight-yard touchdown pass from Asher O'Hara to Pierre Williams. Sacramento State pulls ahead 24-7. 17 point gap for the Vandals, looking pretty bleak. Idaho just could not stop Sacramento State on the ground at all. We'll hit those stats in a second. From two minutes and 54 seconds left in the third quarter to the end of the game, Idaho blitzed back. Uh, three touchdown passes to Hayden Hatton from Giovanni McCoy. Two Idaho picks on back to back passes from Sacramento State, eerily similar to the back to back picks Idaho had at Montana in the 30-23 win a couple weeks a couple weeks ago. Idaho actually pulls ahead after that third touchdown pass. In those three consecutive in those three touchdown passes, Sacramento State did not score and they had the ball at all. So Idaho pulls ahead 28-24 with six minutes and 26 seconds left. Then Sacramento State, they just come they come roaring back. Long drive culminating in a uh, two-yard touchdown run by Asher O'Hara with a minute 48 left. Idaho moved a little bit in their uh, two-minute drill offense, but uh, turnover on downs ended the game for, for Idaho. Uh, very good showing for Idaho at Sacramento State, a number two in the nation, Sacramento State. Uh, on Through the air, Giovanni McCoy goes 18-33 for 207 yards, three touchdowns, all to Hayden Hatton. On the ground, Elijah Cummings led Idaho 10 carries for 62 yards and a touchdown. And in the receiving room, Hayden Hatton, man, seven catches, 113 yards and three touchdowns. Um, if Idaho wins this game, Hatton's probably in discussion for Big Sky player, offensive player of the week. Uh, the issue for the Vandals, like this was the number one team rushing defense in the Big Sky heading into this game. But, you know, asterisk, this was accrued at the time by Idaho having played the four worst rushing teams in the Big Sky. Uh, those four, those four uh, teams included Northern that's Northern Colorado, Montana, as we Montana, as we've already hit on Portland state 
and drawn a blank. Uh, draw, oh, NAU. Sorry, NAU is the other one. So that's not in order, but those are the four terrible rushing teams Idaho played. Uh, yeah, Idaho's not the number one rushing defense in the Big Sky anymore. Uh, this game against Sacramento State almost doubled uh, the the per rushing yards allowed per game in the Big Sky of Idaho, pushing the number from around seventy to one hundred twenty-two. Which still, that's those numbers are not bad on the season. In this game, though, uh, yeah, Idaho on the ground surrenders. 299 rushing yards. If you subtract sacks, it was 304 rushing yards on 53 attempts. That's 5.6 yards per rush. Vandals just had no answer for Sacramento State on the ground. The Vandals did have an answer for Sacramento State through the air. Uh, More or less completely shut down Sacramento State's pass game. Jake Dunaway goes 6 of 17 for 81 yards, one touchdown, and two picks. Asher O'Hara passed twice for 11 yards, did throw a touchdown. That, that's a total of eight for 19 for 92 yards, two picks, and two touchdowns. So Idaho was effective in shutting down Sacramento State through the air. So the takeaway, I, I, I'd say, for Idaho against good big sky teams, this pass defense for the Vandals is for is for real. They're, the league rankings for Idaho would put Idaho's pass defense right now as the number three pass defense, but they're the most effective in big sky play at forcing turnovers with 10 interceptions on the season, nine passing touchdowns allowed, 10 picks. Uh, the 10 picks forcing turnovers, that's been key to Idaho's success, particularly against uh, in beating Montana and getting back against Sacramento State. So pass defense for Idaho is absolutely for real. Uh, Vandals were effective on the were effective on the ground against Sacramento State. Like I said, leading rusher Elisha Cummings, 10 rushes for 62 yards. Uh, McCoy, Giovanni McCoy had his worst game as a Vandal as far as accuracy. Really, for the first half of this game, McCoy was just missing guys and Idaho relative weakness, which will matter um, when we talk about the rest of Idaho's schedule, uh, maybe against UC Davis. Idaho, of the remaining good teams, has the most favorable run of three games here on with um, hosting Eastern this week, Davis next week, then closing out the season at Idaho State. But uh, Idaho, Idaho now, look, they're clearly a playoff-level team. If they're going to have a share of the conference title, Idaho has to win out and hope that Sacramento State and Montana State pick up losses elsewhere, which there's potential losses for both those guys. We'll hit that in a second. But um, for Idaho to have success in the playoffs, uh, we're going to have to see probably stronger pass blocking. McCoy just did not have a lot of time in Sacramento State. Sacramento State's a good defensive team for sure. But uh, McCoy was under duress quite a bit. And then McCoy also just missed some passes in the first half. You know, this is the kind of, this is the kind of game where with some of the passes McCoy was missing that he doesn't typically miss. I mean, McCoy has been very accurate throughout the season and big sky play. He's passing just over 70% on the season, 70.6% of the season. He's throwing 14 touchdowns, one total pick averaging 187 yards passing per game. However, his attempts are not that high relative to the success that McCoy's had because Idaho is a run first team for sure. They typically rush about 40. They typically rush about 60% of the time, rush about 40% of the time. McCoy is the number seven quarterback in the big sky in pass attempts at 126. That's only nine more pass attempts than Jake Dunaway at Sacramento state. And Jake Dunaway doesn't play the entire game. He's kind of my barometer for production and, that just tells you this is a rushing team first and Idaho has been effective on the ground, uh, but against some better teams like Sacramento state, Idaho's going to have to be able to reliably move the ball through the air. McCoy has been very accurate, very efficient, but this game was uh, accuracy wise, definitely McCoy's uh, worst didn't throw picks. So good news for Vandals is he's not making those type of mistakes. And McCoy, there were some timely drops too. look the last drive. Michael Graves wide receiver got injured on play, but he, he dropped what would have been a first down right off his hands for the Vandals on third down. Then McCoy goes down, fourth down, sack, fumble, whatever. Don't remember what the ruling was. Game was over anyway at the time. But look, so McCoy adds some. Look, Idaho's banged up in the receiving room. Three of their top five receivers are out now, so that does matter. But things are looking bright for the Vandals. They have a favorable schedule. If there's any any offensive kinks you think Idaho needs to work out, Eastern Washington's a great team to get to work them out against. But Got to throw the asterisk here because a little bit of the talk about Idaho might sound slightly gloomy. Sacramento State's a very good football team. They're strong defensively. 
held Idaho to 351 yards. But this was a game Idaho was dominated for about three quarters. Truly, Idaho was dominated first three quarters of this game. Sacramento State just looked like the better team. But then Idaho kicked it into gear, started started to put their their footprint on this game, both defensively and offensively. And when Idaho was hitting, they looked easily as good as Sacramento State. So this is a game that, to me, Idaho, a couple plays go differently. Idaho gets a win. Uh, honestly, on, on Asher O'Hara's, just before Asher O'Hara's touchdown run, he had a different run where uh, Paul Moal, Paul Moal, a linebacker for Idaho, stripped him. But the call was that Asher O'Hara's momentum was stopped, so the play was essentially dead. Uh, replay did not show Asher O'Hara's mo- momentum being stalled, but that was not why Idaho lost this game. Idaho lost to Sacramento State because they could not stop the Hornets on the ground. But the Vandals get a tonic against Eastern this week, then a second test of the, of the Vandal defense in two weeks against Davis. Uh, the Davis matchup is starting to look a little closer on paper because of the Davis has been able to feast on just terrible Big Sky teams. But that's a game we'll talk about in two weeks. So like, things are looking good in good for the Vandals. Yeah, it's a loss, but against a number two team in the nation, Idaho pushed Sacramento State to the brink after being dominated for three quarters. So, uh, look, the Vandals need help to win for a share to win share of the Big Sky Conference. But if Idaho wins out, there's a very good shot the Vandals are looking at a uh, at a buy because they will have impressive wins over Montana and what will maybe be thought of as an impressive win over UC Davis if the Vandals went out. Plus, all Vandals' losses, none have been bad. It'll be there were close FBS losses at Washington State and Indiana, then this very close loss at Sacramento State. So, Vandal season, it's looking bright, guys. But we gotta gotta stop talking about the Vandals and move on to the other contender need need of help. Weber State beat Montana 24-21. Complete look, Montana's hapless offensively right now. And if you're gonna be hapless offensively, you're just gonna do nothing against Weber State. I'm still a little bit astounded this game was as close as it was. From from the Weber State end, they're led in passing. Bronson Barron, 153 yards passing. Dante McMillan leads Weber State on the ground. 100 yards, 100 yards rushing on 23 attempts. McMillan's been the guy for, on the ground for Weber State because, look, Davis, Josh Davis, who has been the lead rusher for Weber State for the last few years, he's just got injury issues. And it looks like those injury issues are, they're not, a, they're really just not going to resolve themselves this year. And I don't know if it's taking a toll in terms of like ending his football career. That's me just speculating. No one said anything like that other than me. But McMillan's the guy right now to lead Weber state on the ground uh, total stats for the wildcats. They accrued 345 yards to Montana's 114. Uh, the, the scoring of this game. Again, I am really, really floored that Montana was able to make this a game whatsoever. Uh, biggest lead Weber had the entire game was 11 points where five minutes left in the fourth quarter Hayden Meacham catches a 12-yard pass for a touchdown pass from Bronson Barron. That makes it 24-13. But then Weber State, a very, like a very strong special team school, makes the brain dead error. And look, this is now I'm going to focus on this as special teams issue for Weber State because I think it is. But last week against Montana State, so week eight against Montana State, Weber State gives up four safeties, loses 43-38. Those eight points, clearly the difference, and they were all just terrible snaps. Well, here's another brain-dead special teams thing for Weber State. That's It's just surprising to see what is typically the best special teams team in this nation. Jay Hill has a special teams background. Uh, just make some mistakes. After that Hayden Meacham 12-yard touchdown pass, Weber kicks it to Malik Flowers. Malik Flowers from Montana is the best kick returner in the big sky. It's not close. Flowers is one of the... Look, this is a frustration Montana fans have is they've got Malik Flowers and no one's going to kick to him because they're not dumb enough to. But Montana's not getting Malik Flowers the ball elsewhere. Well, Weber State decided to rectify that problem, kicks it to Malik Flowers. He takes it back 100 yards for, you know, house call. Montana gets a two-point conversion to make it 21-24. But anyway, that's the end of scoring from that point. Weber State holds on for the win. Uh, The help Weber State is going to need the rest of this season is really in Weber State's hands right now. For Weber State to win the Big Sky, they're going to have to have Sacramento State lose, and they're going to have to have Montana State lose. The Wildcats can't do anything about Montana State because Montana State is the team that gave Weber State its lone Big Sky loss. Uh, 
But this coming week, Weber State travels to Sacramento State. So if uh, in what is, again, an, once, we've just had this week after week after week now, marquee matchups in the big sky just because none of the good teams played each other early. It's a huge game next this coming Saturday kicking off at noon. If uh, Sacramento State wins, they're closing in on that on a third consecutive share of a Big Sky championship for Sacramento State. Weber State wins. They're, uh, they need Montana State to lose. Honestly, Montana losing to Montana is realistically the only loss on the table for Montana State at this point. Uh, Stat-wise, Weber State as a team – Offensively, they're the number they're the number seven total offense in the Big Sky. So earlier in the season, Weber State had been more productive. They're still scoring relative in a way that's a little bit more effective than their overall stats suggest. They're averaging 33 points per game, which is a solid number in Big Sky. If you're going to score over 28 a game, you're a relatively solid offense right now. The top scoring team in the Big Sky is Sacramento State at 43.6, then UC Davis at 41.8. Weber's at number five, a bit of a gap between number five, Weber and number four, Idaho, just about a touchdown difference between four and five in terms of scoring per game on the defensive side of the ball. Weber state's the number two total defense in the big sky just below Idaho, but uh, Weber state, I think it's fair to say Weber state's done it against a, a bit rougher big sky schedule. The Wildcats uh, big sky schedule so far includes wins over wins at UC Davis. That's a, a team that still looks solid. Uh, beat Eastern, who's terrible. Portland State is terrible. Lost to Montana State, who's good, and beat Montana, who is good. They're struggling, but they are still good. So there's there's two kind of impressive wins on there for the Wildcats. Individual stat leaders for for Weber. Bronson Barron's been the quarterback the whole season. He's been healthy. He's averaging 140 yards per game. He's thrown eight touchdowns, three picks. He, he's okay. He's a middle of the pack, big sky quarterback. His his yards per game right now put Barron at the as number seven. So I, I misread that number seven quarterback, 203 passing yards per game for Bronson Barron. Uh, really close to, to dead center of the pack. Uh, that, I think that's a fair assessment of who Bronson Barron is for Weber State right now. Uh, top rusher for Weber State is Dante McMillan. He's the number nine rusher in the league, averaging 80 yards per game, 7.2 yards per carry. Uh, there's not another Wildcat. Well, there's a no, Wildcat at number 20, Damon Bankson. He's He gets uh, 49 yards per game, 5.7 yards per rush. Uh, the number one receiver for Weber State is always, 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 Ty McPherson, not close, averaging 82 yards per game, three touchdowns, 17.9 yards per catch. So moving on from Weber State, we're now going to get to our top two. These are the teams that control their own destiny. We're talking about number two, Montana State, number one, Sacramento State. A little surprising, Sacramento State is uh, number one with a narrow win over Idaho, but Montana State didn't play this week. So whatever, I put Montana State as number one, Sacramento State is number two. Uh, but look, we're these are clearly teams that are competing for the championship. Both these guys are undefeated in conference. Montana State didn't play this year, so we'll just slam through things for for the Bobcats pretty quick. Uh, the Bobcats this week, Montana State gets uh, they get a couple easy ones to close out to close out the season before traveling to before hosting Montana on November 19th. So next two weeks for Montana state and big sky play, they've got bottom of the league towards bottom of the league, Northern Arizona that's in Flagstaff followed by bottom of the league in our rankings, Cal Poly at San Luis Obispo. So Montana state gets a couple, get it right games before, before brawl the wild with Montana uh, on the season. Quarterbacks in kind of a back and forth thing for Montana. They're clearly going with Tommy Malott now that he's healthy. And look, Malott is both an effective rusher and passer and allows Montana to put Sean Chambers, who is an effective rusher and passer in uh, interesting formations where both Malott and Chambers are, but are on the field at the same time. The snaps are going to Malott, but then you have two very effective big sky rushers that you got to pay attention to uh, as a, as a passer. Tommy Malott in big sky play does not crack the top 11 quarterbacks, but that doesn't matter because Montana state's the top rushing team in the big sky. Uh, 
there's a handful of dudes we can talk about for Montana State rushing the ball. Sean Chambers, who's been injured, leads the Big Sky with at least tied for lead with the Big Sky nine nine rushing touchdowns, averaging 109.3 yards per game when he plays. Lane Sumner, another guy from Montana State who's missed, who's missed some games this year, he's the number eight rusher in the Big Sky, 68 and a half yards per game. No Big Sky rushing touchdowns, definitely had some OOC touchdowns. Uh, Elijah Elliott, who'd been the doghouse early. He's number 10 rusher in the big sky at just under 67 yards rushing per game. Uh, so look, we, we just hit three guys from Montana state in the top 20 as a team, Montana state's the number one rushing team in the big sky, 302 yards per, per game, 16 rushing touchdowns. Like that's, that's just what Montana does. They've, they have a little bit better setup right now with Malat is a more effective passer than the Bobcats have had quarterback for the last couple seasons. So there is some, some dynamism for Montana state offensively, but look, the Montana state has just fantastic offensive line and then talent rushing the ball. That's what Montana state, that's the recipe for Montana state to win games offensively. Uh, defensively Montana state still, still fine guys. Number three, total defense in the big sky, 335 yards allowed per game. Now, Got to throw the minor asterisk here for the Bobcats because Montana State has uh, had a relatively favorable Big Sky schedule. The best Big Sky team, well, that, that might be a little unfair. The, the Bobcats did beat Weber State 43-38 last time we saw them. So, yes, that was unfair. Bobcats have uh, conference wins over Weber State and UC Davis uh, and then – Mostly other teams are not that great, but hey, like half the conference isn't that great relative to, big, to what we're talking about for the Big Sky. So that's not exactly a mark against Montana State. Uh, those conference wins are the impressive wins because Montana's out of con- Montana State's out of conference wins were not uh, against Big Sky caliber teams. But hey, they're FCS wins, so uh, that matters. Montana State really the thing that they're they're going to coast to wins at Northern Arizona and at Cal Poly these next two weeks, and then. Look, Montana State's got the ad motivation. Not only should they be playing Montana in Bozeman for a Big Sky championship, or at least a share of a Big Sky championship, depending on what Sac State does, but Montana State can feel like they've got a chance to end Montana's season as well. Uh, not much more you could hope for if you're a Bobcat heading into the Brawl of Wild, which gives us uh, finally the number one team that we, in our power rankings, and the other undefeated Big Sky team, Sacramento State. And Sacramento State, they beat Idaho this week, 31-28. And now the Sacramento State end here is the Hornets dominated that game for three quarters before. I Look, Idaho looked better offensively late in the third, early in the fourth for sure. And part of that was because Sacramento State, they are strong defensively, but they're not the best defensive team in this, in this league. Not really. To me, there's a pretty big gap between someone like Montana, someone like Weber State and Sacramento State. But also, Sacramento State went away from, from rushing the ball. Uh, Jake Dunaway threw a couple picks, and Idaho suddenly back in. But when Sacramento State rushed the ball against Idaho, uh, like 304 rushes, rushing yards, over five and a half yards per rush, individual stats on the ground, Asher O'Hara and Cameron Scadaboo just were too much for Idaho. Scadaboo, to me, the best running back in the big sky. He's the number one rusher in the big sky. 17 rushes, 134 yards, no touchdown. Asher O'Hara who's a top 10 rusher in the big sky as well. 26 rushes, 129 yards and a touchdown. O'Hara was pretty backbreaking also for Idaho in this game. He was real shifty. Scadaboo is the thunder. O'Hara is the lightning. Scadaboo runs over guys. O'Hara is just changing direction, always wiggling his way to a couple extra yards. It's a pretty, it's a pretty weird combo. And also the number three rusher from, for Sacramento state, Marcus Fulcher, he's good too. So look, Sacramento state, a very, very good rushing team. The only team more effective on the ground than Sacramento State is Montana State. Sacramento State's number two in the league at 284.6 yards per game, 16 rushing touchdowns as well uh, for for Sacramento State. Individual rushers, Scadaboo leads the league, 131 yards rushing per game. Asher O'Hara is number six at 80.6 yards per game. And O'Hara... And O'Hara averages five yards per rush. Scadaboo is a home run threat. He averages 7.4 yards per rush, which of guys who are getting a lot of touches, that's as good as this league gets. The The two closest guys to Scadaboo are number two, Alonzo Gilliam, seven yards per rush. 
he's number three, actually. The number two is Dante McMillan, 7.2 yards per rush. Uh, Lan Larison is averaging 7.7 yards per rush for UC Davis, but he doesn't get the volume of touches that I'd say is uh, reasonable to compare him with Scadaboo. So, look, Sacramento State, they control their destiny, but they've, they've got – They've got the roughest run of the top teams to close out the season. Uh, Sacramento State has we they've got Weber State this week in uh, that's look that's the week's marquee matchup for sure is Weber State Sacramento State every team's playing but uh, Sacramento State Weber State they're really playing after Sacramento State after the Weber State game if Sacramento State picks up a win. Well, actually, even if we even if Sacramento State loses, that'll give them one big sky loss. But the Hornets are right now, they're sitting undefeated on the season, 8-0 with an FBS win. After Weber State, they host the Hornets host Portland State, who I do not see that being difficult whatsoever for Sacramento State. Then closing the season, hosting UC Davis in the Causeway Classic. Worth noting, because Sacramento State is a team that often gets made fun of for their attendance. Sacramento State had pretty damn good attendance for their homecoming against uh, against Idaho about three-quarter capacity in a 20,000-person stadium, so somewhere between fifteen and 17,000 people present for the Sacramento State game if you saw uh, any footage of the Sacramento State side. Sacramento State is kind of like Eastern, where Eastern has the Eastern Eagle fan side and then the visitor side. Sacramento State has the same dynamics, just their, their visitor side is much bigger than Eastern's. The Sacramento State side was completely full. Easily 10,000 there for sure. A good amount of vandals showed up on the away side, plus some other others too. But environment for Sacramento State is getting better, which is good news. Big Sky fans should understand that is good news, that a, a team with no tradition whatsoever prior to hiring Troy Taylor in 2019 has completely turned it around, both in terms of th- this is a third consecutive normal season. Sacramento State's going to have a shot to at least have a share of the Big Sky title, but fans are coming there as well. Uh, the Look, the outlook for Sacramento State, they look, they control their own destiny. I want to hit their team stats for a moment. Sacramento State, the number two total offense in the big sky, averaging 516 yards per game. That's pretty damn good. That's also off back to back weeks of Idaho and Montana. So back to back weeks of at least some impressive, uh, some impressive outings. And Sacramento State came out on top both against Montana and Idaho. On the defensive side, the Hornets are the number five uh, defense in the Big Sky, allowing 351 yards per game. There's a bit of a of a gulf between number five Sacramento State and the rest of the league, where Sac State's at 351, the next closest team Idaho State's at 409 uh, yards allowed per game. In terms of put, putting the ball in the end zone, Sacramento State's averaging 43.6 yards. 43.6 points per game in Big Sky. They are the best scoring defense and the second, the best scoring offense at 43 points per game and the second best scoring defense allowing 21 and a half points per game. So uh, Hornets are putting it together both sides of the ball. Uh, thanks everyone for uh, for tuning in. This as uh, this because it's on Tubs of Club brought to us by Hughes River Expedition. If you're looking for a great all-inclusive week-long vacation, don't look past your backyard. Hughes River Expeditions has been vandal-owned and operated since 1976 and ready to take you on the vacation of a lifetime. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the middle fork of the Salmon, the main Salmon River in Overturn, the Salmon River Canyons and the Selway. Check out special trips like the one to see the Perced Meteor Shower. Camp on pristine beaches, run amazing whitewater, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soaking beautiful natural hot springs, fish on the most remote stretches of a river in the country, you just bring your clothes, let HRE handle the rest. So grab a paddle, catch dinner, ride the bull all throughout the gem state. Call them now at 800-262-1882 or check them out at HughesRiver.com. Uh, to close, guys, we're going to spend a little bit more time as, as the season gets closer to a conclusion because we, we only have a few of these left, guys. This season, football season goes by in a blink, man. We've got less than a month and the Big Sky season's done. We're going to continue to more narrowly focus on not only playoff and playoff seeding, playoff potential for each teams, but also the conference title race. Probably hit a little bit more of um, some of the all all Big Sky League contenders as well. We're going to hit the last few of these. Probably won't launch this into the playoffs. So if you're if you enjoy this, thank you. You want to support Tubs of the Club? That's patreon.com backslash tubs of the club. Or you don't if you want to even give basic nominal support, guys. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Every YouTube subscriber helps us get closer to that number of 1,000 where YouTube has to start paying us for these episodes. So thank you guys for tuning in. 
uh, hit the comment section, post on social media. If you think we got some of these things wrong, I honestly think the top six is pretty undisputable of, I think UC Davis should clearly be understood worse than Montana. Montana, they, they have to be below the other four because of the, the offensive struggles right now. And then Weber state and Idaho, they're both very good, but each has a, has a close loss. A close loss. Both Idaho and Weber State probably feel like they should not have been a loss. Idaho this week against Sacramento State. Weber State two weeks ago with the safety issue against Montana State. But then Montana State, Sacramento State, they've got no losses. They control their destiny. they got to be the top two in some sort of order. Thanks for coming, guys. And uh, we're going to see you next week. I'm going to start clicking on stuff, and eventually we'll find a way to call it a night. Jesus Christ. Motherfucker.